after this commercial, <laughs> we start the topic as Louis announced it's hoarding and gold's role in finance. And I might add the third thing to this, which is the theory of interest. I think I already had this opportunity to tell you that Menger and, and Louis was uh, quoting at length from Menger's little booklet, The Origin of Money. That is the title of the book. I think it's uh, 1892 or something like that when he published it. It came out in English uh, uh, first uh, and uh, somebody else translated it for him. And uh, it's a very good translation, as uh, Louis pointed out. Now, I have always felt, I consider myself a pupil of Karl Menger. And I've always felt that he, if he had the time, if he had lived long enough, would have come out with a similar little booklet uh, to which he would have given the title, The Origin of Interest. And uh, it became an obsession for me, and I decided that I just have to write that little book as I, uh, completely in the spirit of Menger. And in a way it would have been a mirror, it would be a mirror image of uh, the one which he did publish under the title The Origin of Money, on the other hand, Origin of Interest. So, uh, this is putting the thing into context for you, how uh, hoarding, especially hoarding monetary metals, ties up with gold's role in finance and silver's role in finance. It's through the intermediary of interest. You see, that's the missing link, interest. And um, Menger in his other works always avoids <coughs> the subject of interest, which is of course, very strange because interest is at the heart of economic theory, especially when it comes to uh, time-consuming processes such as saving, investment, uh, production, and so on. So I, I'm convinced that Menger did that because he held back the information he developed and theory he developed for the occasion when he can do a complete job on it. He didn't want to do a partial job. He just waited, waited hopefully, uh, to come out. And un quite unfortunately for the world, he could never finish it. He had a son also Karl Menger, but Karl spelled with a K, whereas the father uh, 
scar spelled with a C. That's how. Now, the son became a mathematician. And actually, after, just before World War II, he immigrated to the United States and became a professor of mathematics at, I think, University of Illinois. And I think that's where he died. He was not, uh, as far as mathematicians are concerned, a very famous one, but he did publish several papers and at least one book I'm aware of. Maybe he wrote more than one. But while still in Vienna, his father died in 1921. So just shortly after World War One, it was a mis miserable time in Austria, miserable time in a lot of countries, even the victor, victorious countries, uh, miserable time for various reasons. And uh, the father, Karl with a C, enlisted his son, Karl with a K, to help him to come out with the second edition of his main work, which had the title principles economics and uh, they wanted the second edition to be about twice the size of the original which is just a very slim volume but it's a fantastical just like uh, the uh, origin of money but it's a little bit more voluminous than that but uh, it's just a wonderful example how to write on economics. Don't make it too voluminous. Keep. But um, unfortunately the, that cooperation between the father and son didn't get very far and then the old man died at the age of uh, 81. And uh, the second edition never came about. The scrappy uh, piece is very interesting that when uh, the father died, 1921, the uh, Japanese Technical University in Tokyo, that's my memory, appeared very quickly after he was buried and put in a bid for his complete library, you know. I, very unusual, but somehow the Japanese were at that time already aware that it's a treasure house of things which, you know, because his, when he was reading a book he made annotations on the margin, so <laughs> what you could read on the margin was far more interesting than the book itself. And, uh, and uh, now, uh, the Japanese never did anything with this. I think they should have, after a few decades, come up with a critical edition of Manga's work, and uh, didn't happen. So I don't know too much about that, but uh, and, uh, I was never in Japan in my life, but it, if I had gone to Japan, I would have asked questions of various people 
in knowledgeable about this. Why, why is it that they bought this and they didn't make this treasure trove available to the rest of the world? So, uh, the point I'm trying to make, and uh, I made it a little bit too lengthy, but this is the gist of it. Uh, there was an obvious effort on the part of Karl Manger, the father, to come out with theory of interest. Never happened. Now, here's the thing. Uh, in my first lecture, I said that the call it revolution, if you will, the Mangarian revolution originates from just one idea. And this idea is the spread. And I was even going out on one limb and suggest that although Manger never says that, and uh, but I will take it upon myself, take the courage and say that he was willing to dismiss the idea of price. See, economics, everybody thinks, is something about price. And uh, Menger came in with this sweeping idea that it's not the price, but it's the spread, which is really the difference between two prices. And uh, out of this idea grew the concept of marketability. But uh, we also heard alternative words for that, saleability. Just how easy it is to sell a certain merchandise. And this was a challenge, may not be obvious, but it was a challenge to the traditional uh, type of economics where they talk about the supply-demand equilibrium price. And they even retained it uh, by the Austrians in spite of this Mangarian uh, pioneer thought that the, we should get away from price and look at the spread, difference of prices. And uh, Manger had a low opinion of the uh, supply-demand equilibrium theory of price. Very, very low opinion. To him, it was not the price, but the spread, as I said, and this is this calls for a complete revamping of economic theory right to the foundations. It's a most uh, radical challenge to orthodoxy, and. Uh, even today, I think we cannot say that it has made a very great headway. It made some, but not all that much. 
And here is a, another very important consequence of this Mangarian revolution that Manger distanced himself from the quantity theory of money. I don't think he denounced it as violently as I would and I did if you are familiar with my various readings uh, because uh, it's, it's a vicious theory, quantity theory of money. It's just plain wrong. And uh, when I want to justify that, I usually just say one thing, although I could uh, give a series of lectures on that, that the world as we know it, our world, economics and physics and everything, is highly non-linear which means that changes here cause changes there. But these changes are not proportional. My linear theory would assume that a linear change here causes a linear change there. And if not 100%, then with a high percentage of accuracy. And this is simply not true. And just think of something cyclical, which is the exact opposite of cyclical changes, just the opposite of linear changes. So the very foundation of the quantity theory of money is wrong. And you will never be able to understand money that way, that you embrace the quantity theory of money and say, oh, well, it goes back to Middle Ages and all the central banks still today work on that principle. This is completely wrong. So there it is. Uh, Menger started with the idea of the spread. And then he looked at how the spread varies in any given market when you bring more supply to the market the spread is going to widen. That's more or less equivalent to what the supply-demand equilibrium price theory says that when the supply goes up, the price goes down. But that's very superficial because in at the heart of it, uh, Menger was the one who caught the substance of the matter. The spread widens, which means the marketability deteriorates. A wide spread is synonymous with a deterioration in the marketability. Now, my idea, and I have to say this with all compulsory modesty, is that Menger was really talking about marketability in the large. 
when the problem was that the supply increases, more and more goods are brought to the market, which is very typical uh, as society uh, gets more sophisticated, as population increases and so on, the markets expand. So the problem to study is how this increase in, uh, affects the spread, affects marketability. However, there is, it calls for a complementary idea, which is highly symmetrical. And this is marketability in the small. Because certain problems have to be analyzed on the basis of not ever larger supplies, but ever smaller. And that's exactly where hoarding comes in. Now let me say right away that hoarding is a dirty word in uh, mainstream economics. Dirty because it uh, actually uh, suggests atavistic tendencies. We, uh, the word atavism means, uh, it has to do with our ancestors, how our ancestors behave. Our ancestors had the, the most, the crudest form of clothes. They eat, ate the uh, crudest form of food. They liked medicine and so on. So we are almost ashamed of our ancestors. Nothing to brag about them. And they practiced hoarding. They were picking berries and hoarded them because they knew the winter season was coming and then these dried berries or dried fish or whatever else it was was vital for their survival in the winter time when they could do no more picking. So unless you had this facility of uh, anticipating shortages then you hoarded and, and uh, then uh, when the seven lean years came around after the seven fat years, then you could survive. And some animals do that. The squirrels, for example, and the bees and some other species, uh, they uh, survive the winter by hoarding. And the interesting thing is that the squirrels, not many people know that they hoard far too much. They are doing it all summer, the nuts, and then hide them in different trees, but researchers prove that they forget most of their hoards and they need only a, a, a tiny fraction of it, which is enough for them to see. Of course, the winter longer than usual, then they will discover. But this is not an efficient way. So this is the point of view of mainstream economics. You, the, uh, 
hoarding is something awful like the squirrels do and uh, they do it so inefficiently and, and hoarding by definition to them must be inefficient and you see this is simply not true it's a very uh, inadequate description of what is happening because hoarding does have a place even in the most sophisticated financial setup. And that's exactly the theory of interest. I don't have time to go uh, into the details, but I want to give you a reasonably complete picture why this is the case. You see, so I am very critical of economic science <coughs> for dismissing the question of hoarding as something uh, pathological, something atavistic, something which normal people don't do. It's only people who have a, a very inadequate uh, understanding of uh, processes. In a modern society, you save in the form of bank uh, accounts or savings accounts, or but not by hoarding. You know, what a terrible idea to hoard <laughs> precious metals or anything else for that matter. Even food, you don't hoard it, you just invent refrigerators and freezers or chemicals which can be used for food preservation. So hoarding is per se. It's, it's, uh, and just the opposite is true. I'm, I, am, I don't mind advocating and announcing that economic science made a terrible mistake in dismissing the problem of hoarding. Now, Going back to Menger, um, Menger could have said this, didn't say this, and I'm just uh, convinced that he, if he had lived longer, he would have said that too, because it's so uh, such a straightforward consequence of his line of thinking, just as you study what happens to the spread as the supply increases. So in other words, you want to sell goods in ever larger quantities and you observe that the spread will increase. The same way you could ask the question, what happens when to the spread when you get smaller and smaller amounts. And that is really a problem for you if you hoard. Because the idea is to build up a large, relatively large supply, bit by bit, piece by piece. And sometimes by very small pieces, you see. And you want to do it with the smallest losses possible. Just like marketability in the large, the problem is 
you want to increase supply with the smallest possible losses. Now here you make the unit smaller and smaller and again the smallest possible losses. And again there are two problems. When you add to the supply, let's say a young man is saving for his <coughs> old age and his wife's old age or his children's education or what have you, something similar to that, then he keeps adding bit by bit to the uh, store of, of goods which he's hoarding. But then when time comes, so he has, he's in his harvest years, he retires, he wants to uh, have the equivalent of a pension, and draws down the supply. So that uh, is, let's call it dishoarding. Now my computer just hates that word dishoarding because every time I type dishoarding, the red uh, underlining comes on that there is no such word <laughs> as dishoarding, you know. You know, the, the, the computer warns you when you use a word in bad context or use a word which doesn't exist. Well, I did check it out in the Great Oxford Dictionary. There is such a word, this hoarding, and this is a proper word, and I don't care what the computer engineers do. I uh, declare this a valid word, and I don't even have to uh, explain it to you what it is. The idea is that you have saved and uh, you didn't save like the squirrels if the summer lasts longer they say save maybe twice as much which is completely superfluous because they can't eat more in the uh, winter than uh, a certain amount. So uh, what you do is you save and achieve your optimum or maximum for the sake of efficiency there's no more point in increasing your and then you draw down your hoard because you start consuming and that could be for your old age for medicine in the case you saved for your children's education then you pay tuition 